Welcome to the Smart Business Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Imoff Flores, and the Smart Business Podcast is the place for entrepreneurs to get an advanced mindset and skill set to build and grow a business that can scale in a big way. SMART is an acronym that stands for a scalable, mission-driven business that's automated with revenue streams all run by a team. And so if you would like to learn more about how to build a smart business or get coaching, consulting in this area or done for you services, go ahead and start by getting our free smart business formula guide at smartbusinessformula.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Smart Business Show. Today, we have a very special guest, Robert Realpel. He's an international author, app designer, trained over a half a million people around the world, over a hundred million in sales. And today we're going to be talking about the four phases of authority. And so, Robert, we are so happy to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Adam. I'm excited to be here. You know, from when you and I first connected and we had a chit chat to see if there was a a good synergy, it was like, yeah, I'm ready for this show. I think we're going to be able to assist a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what's really cool is that um, you've had to, you know, uh, privilege, I guess you could call it, to travel all around the world training motivating, inspiring people, um, you know, to kind of, you know, develop millionaire mindset, to be able to, to help people with their lifestyle and designing life to the next level. Um, how has that experience been? And, and what, what have you learned from that journey so far? Well, you know, a couple of things I learned is I thought I had traveled until I became a trainer. And, you know, I had never actually been outside of North America, my wife, unless you consider a Caribbean cruise that my wife and I went on a couple of times being outside of North America for traveling. But when I started training and all of a sudden I got to go to Asia for the first time, 2007. And from that, it exploded the world where I've been around several times in all these about 30, 40 countries impacting people's lives. There's nothing like it because I became a much more tolerant person, realizing it doesn't matter what culture you come from, what your beliefs are, we all have so many commonalities. And just because someone is raised different, does that make them better or worse than me? Absolutely not. So that tolerance has allowed me to grow to even be a greater person for myself. So that's probably the biggest benefit I've received from traveling around the world. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I gotta ask you, did you have any, what, what was your biggest culture shock country uh, that you were just completely shell-shocked when you got there? <clears throat> uh, probably the first time. It was one of my first real experiences in a huge um, population. Um, first time I ever went to Thailand and I experienced the traffic. And it was like, oh my goodness, thank goodness I wasn't driving. But shell-shock-wise, you know, um, my wife and I, it was right on our 25th wedding anniversary. And I was going to be in Bangkok just before the anniversary doing a training when all of a sudden last minute they asked me to then the next week do a training in Poland. And I'm like, well, it's my 25th anniversary. Uh, you know that if I mess that up, I'm in trouble. I said, so if you want me to do the both events, you got to fly my wife to be with me, business class, to both locations. Give us some extra time before at your expense and extra time in Poland after at your expense so we can celebrate our anniversary. If that works for you, then we'll go. And and they're like, uh, yeah, done. And so we went on this trip. And so in, in Thailand, it's like Saudi's cap. Their um, voices and their conversations are like music. And so we're there and all relaxed and laid back. And then we travel to Poland. And all of a sudden, it's like from Saudi clap to <laughs> it was a total <laughs> shift. You know, we got checked into our hotel when we first arrived, and our partners had flowers and strawberry, um, chocolate covered strawberries in our room for us. And we're trying to watch a little TV, and it doesn't seem like it's that loud. And all of a sudden, there's a 
pounding on the door and it's the per room next to us and he's like shut that tv off you're too loud and it's like whoa we're not in <laughs> thailand anymore toto so yeah that's probably the biggest shock of differences i guess you can right. say right no when i first got to bangkok people don't realize la is only 2.3 million people bangkok is 73 million people so it's just an insane population change and so I totally am with you on that. I was completely shocked as well when I got there. Um, now, what, what, this is my last question before we get into our content for today. Um, like, how have you noticed other countries receive personal growth and development compared to here in the United States? Because it's kind of a part of our culture, right? It's like self-improvement, self-growth, that kind of thing. But what is that like in other countries? Well, here, I'm going to ask you a question first on this, Adam, though. Do you think your audience can handle the truth from my perspective? Well, they're going to have to handle the truth. So get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the last several years, I've spent most of my time overseas training instead of in North America. And so have a lot of the big names. And people ask us why. And the reason is, is I want to go to places where people don't just want to learn, but they actually utilize what I'm teaching. And in North America, and, and you can do the research, there's a great book called The Pendulum. And one of the, Michael Drew is one of the authors, I can't remember the name of the other gentleman, but they talk about 40 year cycles that cultures go through. And right now, North America is in the culture, in the uh, middle of a 40 year cycle of prove it to me, it better be worth it. I shouldn't have to work as hard. You should just give it to me, the entitlement. Whereas in a lot of the countries overseas, they're in the other um, part of the, the other 40 year cycle, where it's, I'm looking for teachers, I'm ready to learn, show me, help me. And so when I go to other countries, they are hungry to learn but not just hungry to learn, they actually implement. Look at the statistics here in North America. Only three to 6% of people actually utilize what they've learned. And that's, that's heart-wrenching to me as a person who loves to help impact lives. But overseas, it's much higher because they go, if you know, you've taken your valuable time to be here and I've taken mine to be here to listen to you, I'm gonna take what you've taught me and I'm gonna put it into practice. And so overseas in a lot of the countries, they are actually going to overtake North America very quickly because of their hungerness to learn instead of feeling just entitled. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. I think that's what comes with abundance sometimes. It's like a spoiled child. You know, mm -hmm. they begin to lose gratitude and appreciation for what's around them and they yep. lose perspective. So yep, absolutely. totally with you on that. Now, uh, you have a really cool acronym that you've created that's known as OPEN, the OPEN method, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell us about this, these four phases of authority and, and how it, it, it applies to our life and our business. Yeah, because, you know, creating authority is one thing, but unfortunately, most people, if they get there, which means they get some income that comes with it, wealth, you know, positioning, if they get it, a lot of people don't hang on to it. They self-sabotage. And the reason is, is because of these phases that people go through. So the O stands for the observation phase. And what I want people to understand is I go through these quickly, picture what you would do in each phase and don't worry about the how will I know what phase I'm in, just trust yourself, you're gonna know. I could give you a little quick thing to tell you to give you a way to you know, get a better understanding, but I don't want you to overanalyze. When you're in the observation phase, that's when it's about what would I love to have in my life? Now it's not about how will I get it, what do I need to do, what are all the you know, technical skills of it, it's just dreaming meditating, creating vision boards, and really just deciding what you truly, truly want, forgetting about the how-to. That's the observation phase. When you're there, you are a human creating your life. You're curious about everything. And picture like this, maybe you um, meet 
so you see someone, you're at a, a, an event or a bar or something, you see across the room that someone and you instantly know, I want to be with them. And you go into that curiosity mode and you want to know everything about them. That's the observation phase. Okay. The second phase, and this is the one that most people, it sabotages their business and their lives because they don't allow themselves to really utilize it. The P, just like the P on your hat, and I love that you have that, it stands for the pamper phase. This is the take care of yourself phase. I love the saying, and it's so true, you cannot give what you do not have. And how many people are all about giving, 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 serving, being there for others, and then they wonder why they get burnt out, why they get, um, you know, end up causing sickness to themselves. It's because they forget to take care of themselves. So in the pamper phase, two things to remember. One, be creative. I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. Two, be willing to feel selfish. Because in the pamper phase is when you maybe go on a vacation or plan one, get a massage, get your nails done, you know, maybe sit down and read a book for 20 minutes. Something that takes care of you nurtures you. I like to go for walks. I love to use the app called Calm, where I just put in my earbuds and take 20 to 30 minutes to listen to the sound of rain because rain quiets my mind. So that's how I take care of myself to regenerate. Now, the reason I say you have to be creative is people go, well, Robert, I don't know if I have time to do that stuff. So as an example, I fly around the world and I'm on long flights. And one of the reasons I love the long flights, when I sit in the seat, Adam, that's my time. That's my time. I don't do business. And I watch all the people around me doing business. I don't connect to the Wi-Fi if it's on the plane. I watch movies because I love movies. I read because I love to read. I eat great food. I drink great wine and I get some rest. Because I know the moment I hit the ground for the next three to five days, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day, giving, giving, giving. So if I don't take care of myself, how can I fully be there for my students? Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so that's the creative part. And then the selfish side of that too is, because most people go, I can't take time for myself. You have to. It, you, just, you just have to. And that's why a very practical skill for your listeners and your audience is on my phone, think of wealth rule number one when it comes to money. What do they teach you? Pay yourself first. So if that's true for money, well, time is one of your most precious commodities. So why wouldn't you do that with your time as well? Right. That's good. So be, yeah. And because I live on my phone with my calendar, before I schedule anything on there, the first thing my wife and I put on our calendars are our pamper time, time mm. for each other, time for ourselves, time for family, our health, all of that. So, wow, absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people feel guilt for pampering themselves because they feel like they should be working or that there's more that could be done or that they're, you know, falling behind or if they go treat themselves that everything's going to fall apart. And, you know, that comes with a lot of, uh, that comes in a lot of times of the transition from when you go from struggling to in, into abundance, you're not used to it. Right. And so you're almost like afraid to step into that. And so how do you, how do you like recommend that people can give themselves permission to really take care of themselves? Like how do they get over the guilt of that or the feeling like they should be somewhere else? Like sometimes people even spend time with family, but their mind is somewhere else. Oh yeah. Because they're just thinking of all the things going on. So how do you how do you release that? Yeah, and you know what you just hit on is one of the number one reasons people fail is because they think success comes with a bad family life, a miserable you know relationships because it's one or the other, and it's like no. And so something you just said is when you're with someone, be present with them. 
And quality time will outweigh quantity time anytime. And so if you can even, you know, and it says uh, something my wife and I implemented, you know, if she wasn't on a trip with me on the other side of the world, one of our things that we have in place is, even if I've been 12 or more hours on stage and I'm burnt out, I'm tired, before I go to bed, we get on FaceTime for five minutes so we can see each other instead of just a hearing. And we are there present with each other. And if either one of us starts to drift, we don't get upset. We simply say, come back to me. And that's mm-hmm. our little signal that, oh, wow, I was drifting and, and okay, I'm here. And in that five minutes of quality, you'll be blown away with what it can do for maintaining relationships. So take one step at a time. And to answer your question is, who are you surrounding yourself with? Quit mm-hmm. trying to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with amazing growth-minded people that are willing to. I have, a, I have another question for you that just sparked right now. You know, you're a person of growth. That's kind of your whole world, right? And I, I'm sure you have family that's not as into growth as you are. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so when you're in an environment with family and you're you're seeing just so many limiting beliefs, you're seeing so much, so much doubtful language motivated by fear. And then you come in and you're talking about growth and how things could be different. You know, how has that blend between, you know, who you've become and your family world around you? How have you merged the two of that, like two of those? <laughs> In the beginning, I thought it was like, I could fix everybody. I could help you. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing clearly now. You know, and <laughs> and um, when that kept backfiring in my face, someone gave me some great advice. They said, love them for who they are, not who you want them to be. And so like even a couple of weeks ago when it was Easter time and you know, at the time, a couple of weeks ago from when we recorded this, um, we had family down and my dad couldn't make it. And I got upset at first, but then it's like, well, you know what? I know where he's at. I know what's going on for him. So I just love him for who he is. And the moment I, my wife and I switched that mindset, now when we are with family, it's not about, hey, look at where we're at, where you're at, and you're broken, we're not. We're all freaking broken. And so it's just now being there and loving them for who they are, and we have great connections. It took a while to learn to do that because we did naturally just want to help everybody, but we realized, yeah. you know, they're not in the, maybe in the same space we are. Yeah. And that's so true. we can't expect it. <laughs> and I think it can be hard sometimes to love somebody through their dysfunction when it's active, mm-hmm. when the dysfunction is active, <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, without a doubt. And that's, that's where it, it is. It's, it's like, then you have to make the decisions. How much time do you spend with them? Right. And again, make it quality time so that even if you're not spending a lot of time, because look, some of, a couple of my siblings drive me freaking nuts. And so I know that when I'm around them, I'm not going to want to spend too much time. But the time I am with them, I wanted them to know that I'm there because I love them. And, you know, and it's repaired a lot of our past years of, of dysfunction because it isn't, I'm not expecting, and I take ownership. Yeah. You know, whether they take ownership for their side or not, I have no control. I can only take ownership from my side. And so if they come over and, and we're here, say at our house, it's just, we're having dinner. Or if they like games, we're playing games. Or if they want to sit in the hot tub, we're sitting in the hot tub because we're there to spend time together. Not to say, hey, here's where I'm at. What are you doing that sucks in your life? Let me fix you. <laughs> right, exactly. No, that's good. That's that's so powerful. I love that. Okay, great. Well, this has been, this has been epic, but we still got a little bit more to go here. So yes. talk to us about the E, uh, the energy. E. 
Yeah, the E stands for energy phase. This is the get her done phase. This is where you do those meetings, you do those emails, you do what needs to be done. Even if you don't feel like it, when you're in the energy phase, this is where, you know, most people, they sit there and they go, but Robert, this all sounds great, but you don't know my life. I'm so busy. You know, I've got a family, I've got my job or my business. And in my research, Adam, what I've realized is most people are really good at being busy, but they're not so necessarily good at being productive. And there's a huge difference. And I learned, and this is just my formula, for me, 30 minutes to an hour, because I'm, you know, I have ADD, HD, whatever you call that stuff. I don't even label myself on it because I'm just me. And I know for me, I can only stay truly focused on something for 30 minutes to an hour max. That's it before I start getting distracted. So I will, on my calendar, the second thing I put on there is my focused time. And when I actually put focus time on, like say writing my new book, I'll put 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, write book. Now, when I come to my office, there's no other distractions. I focus right on writing my book. And I've come to the realization that one hour, and again, this is just for me, your equation is going to be different, but one hour of focus time for me is about the same of six hours of being busy. Now, mm. if your audience just got what I said, I just showed them how to free up a ton of time. I have an amazing student in South Africa where she came to me for coaching and she's like, I bought this program, this program, this program, and I haven't done anything with it. And I said, well, if I'm going to be your coach, the only thing I'm going to be coaching you on is how to get productive and being accountable. And number three, you're not allowed to buy anything else until we get you giving full value on all these other ones. Mm -hmm. And she simply implemented three 30-minute focus times in her day. So just three little spots where she's now focused on something specific in those 30 minutes, five days a week, and she's now radically changed her life. And mm. she's gone from her husband going, oh, you just bought another one that you're not going to use mm. to all of a sudden going, wow, look at what you're getting accomplished. What's changed? Right. And it's just because she put focus time in place. So little adjustments that way. So energy phase, very important. Be productive. Yeah. Mm. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Yeah. Some people are are definitely, you know, doing a lot with their day, but they're not aware of where they were to spend their time. I think that a lot of people would mm. would would like to be productive, but they don't know where to utilize their time. And I was actually meeting with my brother. We were in Manhattan beach having breakfast and we were just talking about somebody had said, you know, you know, Adam, you've elevated year after year after year for the last decade. How do you keep doing that going from, you know, year to year to growth. And I said, well, one of the things that I do is I write down on a piece of paper, all of the, all of the things that um, you know, all of the decisions that I can possibly make right in, in, in my business and my finances in my family. And I write down just the possibilities, what's possible. And what I try observation to practice, phase right there, yeah, exactly. Observation <laughs> phase, Right. Exactly. And one of the things that I do is I just, I make a decision on, you know, what is going to be the best use of my time. And I, yes. and, and, and if you don't constantly make new decisions, then your, your, your life becomes an autopilot response to the day. And you typically can stay, that's where people stay stuck because they're not making new decisions on what they want to move into. So that itself is a decision. It's called indecision, right? It <laughs> and is, so, absolutely. So when you're dealing with the productivity, the productivity is just in a cycle of whatever is coming at you versus deciding to step into the things that you want to move into. So I made a lot of decisions. I really pay attention to my decision-making and that affects my energy 
because I only want to focus on a handful of things that I'm very focused on moving towards. And that helps me move on a runway, get on a runway. And when you're on a runway long enough, you can get momentum. And that's where you have, you know, you have liftoff. So I feel like most people don't have a runway. They're more on like a helicopter pad with an airplane. (laughs) And so there's, you know, there's no way to, to, to gain momentum. And that's a great analogy for it. And because a lot of people go back into that, well, I'm an entrepreneur and most people aren't, they're solopreneurs thinking they have to do everything on their own. And there was a saying that, you know, again, changed my life from one of my mentors a few years ago. He said, Robert, in your business, you're only allowed to do what only you can do. Anything else you need to delegate out to other people. And so like, as an example, when I, um, if someone contracts me to go say to Thailand and do a training, well, I can't take the contract and then send someone else. That's something only I can do, but I'm not booking the flights. I'm not booking the hotels. I'm not doing all the other things. I'm the one that's going to go there, deliver. And so that frees up the time. And then I know people will say though, well, Robert and Adam, I, I can't, I'm just starting. I don't have the money to do that. Again, get creative. You know how many partners I have where we do it on a revenue share? So it's only, they only make money if I'm making money and we're all happy because now they've got skin in the game. They're motivated. And the more money they want to make, then the more money I'm going to make. So it's a win-win situation. So get creative on that. Yeah, it's so good. I love that. I love that. Okay, bring us home here. So we have the (laughs) N now. What does the the N stand for? Yeah, I had to get creative and because the N is not the first letter of the word. It's the second. It stands for unclutter, which is another name for chaos. Chaos enters our lives and people mostly resist it, thinking it's bad, thinking I don't want it. Why is this happening to me? But if you actually understand and reframe your thinking to realize that chaos is natural, you know, as human beings, we're meant to evolve. And what does chaos do? It comes in to give us that shakeup to get us to evolve to the next level. And so if you actually embrace chaos, you're going to find that you can actually courageously volunteer for it in ways. And this is why I call it unclutter. Because in the chaos phase, you're meant to destroy something that's not working. Maybe it's a business relationship or a personal relationship that's not working, but you've just been hanging on. Maybe it's, you know, well, I want a new car, but I I haven't sold my old car yet. Well, until you get rid of the one that you have, you can't get, you got to let go of something good to get something great, something great to get something phenomenal. And so the way you can actually volunteer for chaos, and the reason I call it unclutter is, like every couple of weeks, I'll come to my office and I'll unclutter my office. I'll straighten it up. I'll get rid of paperwork I don't need, stuff like that. I'll go to the refrigerator, unclutter it, straighten it out. I'll go to my closet and go, what haven't I worn in six months that I, other people could utilize? So I'll donate it or sell it or whatever. And so I'm constantly doing little unclutters, which shows the universe, God, higher power, whatever you want to call it, that I'm willing to cooperate with chaos. And so it doesn't have to give me the hard messages. Because if you realize when chaos comes in, if you don't listen to the message, it doesn't go away. It comes back with more intensity until you get the kick upside the head that you can't ignore. Right. So as a friend of mine says, he says this, instead of being willing to live life, courageously allow life to live you. Mm -hmm. Because probably the biggest cosmic joke in the world is thinking we have control of things, Adam. (laughs) We don't. We don't. You only have control of how you respond to what's going on in your life. 
Yeah, that's we'll volunteer for chaos because then that puts you back into an even greater observation phase because you're going to keep going around these phases again. Yeah. again. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, in the chaos phases, I would say that the chaos phase of life really determines how far someone can go because sometimes in chaos, the pattern that people take is they they end up retracting, they end up backing up from the challenge. And what they'll realize is that they can only run or distract or avoid themselves from challenges for so long. Absolutely. Before they realize that they have to face that challenge. And so one of the great uh, antidotes or solutions to uh, chaos is to be able to step into laser focus. Mm -hmm. So when chaos hits you, it triggers focus. And so you can see straight into solutions on how to navigate through that. And so if you can have it triggered focus versus avoidance, then I think you can get chaos to work for you because mm -hmm. it's out of the chaos that you expand your capacity to handle greater challenges. And then you start to trust yourself because next time that challenge comes, you have reference points like, yeah, I can overcome this. I've been through this before. I'm not worried about this financial challenge. I've overcome this before. Oh, I'm not worried about this relationship issue. I overcome this before. And so you have an identity as an overcomer because you have done it before. So that is something that I'm very passionate about in chaos. I want to make sure that I'm always rising into the challenge and not backing up from it because then that also becomes part of your identity. When you reflect back in the next chaos situation, you can think, Oh man, like last time this happened, this didn't go well. And now you're just avoiding and running it, you know? And that's it. And, yeah. and you reminded me of a great acronym for fear that a, a friend of mine, she taught me a couple of years ago as she was um, doing her own documentary and, and won awards for it. And she takes the word fear and she says, face everything and rise. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a great analogy for that. So, man, uh, Robert, dude, it's been such a pleasure having you with us on the show. You're just a wealth of knowledge. You have so many stories and examples and real life scenarios and experiences. It's just been a wealth of abundance just uh, being in your presence today. So thank you so much for being on the show and for everybody listening today. Um, what you could do if you want to be able to follow uh, Robert, you can go to um, you can go to his website here. Uh, you want to give him your website, Robert? Yeah, it's just my name, robertrealpel.com. And they'll be able to actually download the entire digital copy of my best-selling book, Success Left a Clue, as our gift to them for taking their valuable time. And Adam, because I'm in my give back phase, when they go and they download the book, which they've got to use, I didn't write it for them, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. You know, step number three in my book is taking action, the energy phase. So I wrote it as a workbook. And I even say it because I've got action steps all the way through. And I even say, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now, go back, do the action before you continue reading, because I know people are creatures of habit. But when they download the book, they're also, for those who want to, they're going to be able to book in a 20-minute one-on-one strategy call with me, with me, one-on-one, -on -one, no sales, where they just fill out a questionnaire prior to our call. So I can sit there and take 20 minutes and give them laser focus on how to overcome obstacles that have been holding them back because I love helping people. And, you know, because I've gone through a lot of messes, not like it because I'm perfect. I'm not, yeah. but I've gone through a lot of the messes and I can now help people overcome the same kind of things. Yeah. Uh, Robert, it's been so great to have you with us. And those of you who are interested in taking up a free call with him, make sure you go do that because he definitely has a gifting, as you could see from this episode, to be able to uncover those blind spots, help you step into alignment, get clear on what you want and move into his 
uh, open method. So uh, Robert, thanks again. For those of you listening, subscribe to this episode if you haven't already. Share this episode if it impacted you and leave a six-star review. I think there's only five stars, but leave an extra star. <laughs> and until then, we will see you in the next episode.